My name is Emmanuel Terrell. I um, go to Mount Carmel High School. I'm 15 years old. And um, oh, these are all new faces. I don't go to church here. <laughs> um, I'm going to be speaking on love and acceptance today. And first, I want to open up with a poem because that's something I'm passionate about and it's something God has laid on my heart. Lord, be strong for me because it's hard to live the life that I've been living. Lord, I'm tired from the effort I've been getting, get, giving. Every muscle aches, and I want to put a bullet through my brain like, Lord, maybe that will ease the pain. Bewildered by the bathroom blood stains, and I see the monster I've become. Lord, help me last tonight because my dreams have become as vicious as my, nightmare, as my, night, as my life. That nightlife. Parties don't suit me with their brain-busting beats and their breeding ground for a million broken souls to try and drink pop and get some desperately trying to fill their holes. But they don't drink pop. They drink to get their ears popping to the music. But there is no music when they wake up with gut-wrenching and confusion. And Lord, I am lost. Spending all my wages on spending all my wages on bliss, but never counting the cost. Lord, forgive me. I've fallen far from feeling the faults of my actions. I've grown numb from the cold. My dreams have been sold to pay off the debt of my sins. This world's getting rough and I'm struggling to stand. I'll let these scars pay as testimony for the times that I have ran. Now I'm broke, cut, and cold. I've trampled my food. I've muddied my water. I've lost sight of my reflection. I've lost sight of you, Father. Lord, they don't want me here because my heart beats your name. No matter how much I try, I will never be like them, so they shun what they don't know. They are lost sheep like I was in desperate need of you. They don't know the beauty of your love and the way it consumes. They don't know the warmth of your love like when you embrace me with open arms. If I could paint a picture of your love, then I would, to show them how it feels. Lord, I will love them like you have me to show them that you're real. Um, worldly acceptance, conditional. God's acceptance is unconditional. In Luke 15, there are some biblical examples of these two forms of acceptance. Um, you guys are already turned to Luke 15. So, um, uh, In verses... 11 through 13, there's a, it's about a, a father, and he has two sons. One of them comes up to him and he says, Dad, I want my inheritance. And in this, it, today and even back then, it was like saying, Dad, I want you dead. Give me your money. And imagine how betrayed the father felt. Someone that's supposed to love you unconditionally as, their, as, as your kid, someone you raised up, says, I want you dead. And how would you guys feel as parents? As we, um, as we pick up in verses 14 through 17, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And in, in the beginning of that scripture, it's, in, in the beginning of those scriptures, it says, he began to be in need. So all of his friends that he acquired, all of his, all of these friends that he acquired when he had all these, um, this money and all, all these material things, they turned their back on him. They left him, and he had to hire himself out to someone to work. And that shows you, in, in, even today, when we lose all we had trying to fit in, we're left useless to the world around us. And. Even if you don't conform, like even as a Christian, you don't want to conform to the world around you. You're, you're, you're shunned. 
because you don't want to be like them. My freshman year at Mount Carmel was um, a hard one, but it, 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 was, it, it was tough because that, that, was, that was more a year where I was stepping out of my faith, and I made a declaration to be pure until marriage. And at an all-boys school, the main topic, girls. <laughs> so that didn't sit well with any of them, and they're like, why, did, why, why would you want to do that? What, what, what inspires you to do something like that? And they didn't understand me, so they shunned me, they made fun of me, and I was like, set apart from everyone. And back to the, the story, in verses 17 through 20, the son comes to his senses and he says, man, even my, he's here starving to death, and he's like, even my, my dad's servants get treated better than this. And he's eating, eating the pig slop, and he's, he's, they're not giving him any food, so he's eating what the pigs eat. And, and Jesus is talking to Pharisees here. So in Jewish culture, you weren't around, we weren't supposed to be around pigs, let alone eat their food. So I bet the Pharisees are like, this, this kid screwed up. This kid's dirty. Nasty. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and, and he's thinking, man, maybe I can go to my dad and be a servant. I don't, I don't deserve to be a son anymore. Maybe I can go to him to be, as a, serv- be a servant. And, this, this is an example of even today how we as Christians, we, have to, we feel like we have to lower our standards for God. Like, maybe I can go back and start from square one because I backslid. I screwed up. Maybe I can start at square one and get saved again. Like, but that's, that's not what he's saying. And, or you're on the other side of the spectrum where you try to be perfect before you can come to God. I think you have to be perfect. But in these next few verses, you see that you don't have to be perfect. Verses 20 through 24. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Now, the son didn't run to his father. The father ran to his son. This, this, this was the main point of my sermon, and this is the, the, the best example of godly acceptance, I believe. And even in, in my life, my father, and now that I've grown older to learn that he loves me unconditionally, but when I was younger, I used to think, man, I have to win my matches. I have to do good on the field and then he'll love me. But even after I, even after I lost and I didn't have a great game, my dad was like, I still love you, son. You're my son. You're going to have bad days. I had bad days. But the father ran to his son. It is also more significant because older people don't run now and they didn't run back then. So, <laughs> so, and, and, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but 
when you when you when you had to run, you had to lift your rope. You had to lift your rope to run. And the father was exposing himself by lifting his rope. Exposing exposing his lower lower area to run to his son. Which is showing that God is willing to do anything to go out to get us. Go out and get us. His love for us is unconditional and he's willing to go out and get us. And he didn't meet his son halfway. He met his son all the way. He came and got him where he was at. And he embraced him with open arms, even in his dirtiness. Even after he said, Dad, I want you dead. He embraced him and said, this is my son. And this is an example of God's love because even when we, we turn away from God and we, we, we say, God, I don't want you in my life anymore. I'm going to take what you've given me and squander. God's like, oh, no, you're still my kid. And I'm, I'm going to conclude with this. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And even in our mess, oh, this isn't Romans 5. Even in our mess, Christ accepted us and died for us. This love for us is unconditional. Thank you. I'd like to... <laughs> I'd like to close in a word of prayer. By your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this uh, this opportunity to uh, direct the church to you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that um, as the rest of the youth come up and they speak and they sing, Lord, that we wouldn't be taking the spotlight, Lord. That Lord, I, we give the spotlight to you, Lord, and you direct the church to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. I'm a junior at Rana College Prep, uh, and today I'll be speaking to you on accountability. And when I mean accountability, I mean accountability as in between us, between people. Uh, let's pray real quick, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us be here today. Thank you for letting the youth take over. Uh, thank you for just um, your grace. Uh, I just, I just pray that everybody here would see that this is all thanks to you. This is all for you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was once a man. He didn't, uh, and he didn't want to go to school today. Uh, and it, so he called his mom. She told him that he had to go to school today. He says... But mom, nobody likes me at school. The mom says, oh, come on, that's a lie. There's lots of people who like you. Now go. The man questions his mom and says, but mom, it's too cold and there's too much snow to walk through. The mom replies, I'll drive you to the train stop. And then from there, it'll be your problem. But mom, that, and that's when the mom just completely stopped him. And she says, you have to go. You're the teacher. Uh, uh, now, what we can see from this is, uh, this shows how the mom kept the son accountable. We see how, even after he didn't want to do 
what he had to do. The mom kept him on the right track. The mom showed him uh, that it's his obligation to do it. Uh, at this time, would you please turn your Bibles to Second Samuel chapter 12. Um, so, uh, I would like to summarize what's happened so far. Uh, so, at this time... At this time, uh, there was war going on. Uh, and normally, at this time, the kings would normally lead their troops, their armies, to war. However, David was the king at this time. And he, he was one of those kings that just stayed back. He stayed back at home. He sees, one day he sees Bathsheba. He lusts after her. They commit adultery. One thing led to another. Bathsheba becomes pregnant. Uh, David tries to cover all that up by having Uriah sleep with his wife. But he wouldn't. He was too loyal to his army to even take a break. Um, then, David, then David says uh, he's going to kill Uriah. He didn't see any other way. So this leads us up to our point, our, uh, our verses today. Uh, it says in Second Samuel chapter 12, And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ill lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and his children. He used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are that man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. If this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord? to do what is evil in his sight. You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. So, this first verse, um, it says, The Lord sent Nathan to David. This is a pretty important part. This shows us our first point of accountability. The Lord sent Nathan. Our first part is just listening to God. We, have, we are called by God to care, to keep accountable our fellow sinners. Now, this is important because normally... This is important because normally uh, people get sidetracked because of sin. 
people have their free will. And it's always good to have somebody there. And that brings us to our second point. But before that second point, I'd like to point something out real quick. In chapter 12, verse 3, But the poor man had nothing but one little ill lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and his children. He used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now this, we see how important this lamb was to the poor man. It was like a daughter to him. Now, at first this sounds a little weird because uh, you know how nowadays you see how attached owners get, like sometimes they have those little dogs in their purses and everything? Yeah. Or how about that other owner who loves their animal so much they want to match with it. They want to match outfits. That's so weird. <laughs> but this shows you how much love the poor man had for that lamb. And for the rich man to just take that just for some feast for a traveler, that was that hurt. That really did hurt. Now back to our second point. Uh, our second point is taking action. Nathan took action when God told him what he had to do. He took action through this story, through confronting David. Uh, forward? Yeah, right in front of him. Uh, but at this time, it's pretty odd because David... David's the king right now. And, okay, so who in here, you guys would be the subjects, who in here would actually go up to David and tell him his mistakes? Yeah, me neither. I'd be scared to get killed. See, nowadays, it was... Uh, nowadays. Back then, it was pretty... Uh, it wasn't uncommon to kill a subject if he was out of line. So... Uh, just the courage and the trust and the love that Nathan had, the trust in God, the love for David enough to just keep him accountable. That shows what kind of action Nathan took. This brings us to our third point. See, accountability isn't a one-way street. Accountability takes if it's two people, it takes both of them. One person to tell you what you have to do, and the other person has to, like, they listen, they got to put it to action too. They, if they want to repent, they'll repent. And we see this with David in Psalms chapter 51. He wrote this after he talked to Nathan. It says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with the hyssop, and I shall be clean. 
Wash me and I shall and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are broken, are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered to your altar. So, what we can tell from this is, David repents. Uh, he decided, like, he took Nathan's advice. He told him what he did wrong. And that's how now, nowadays, when, when someone confronts you about something you've done, how embarrassing does it feel? It feels really embarrassing. That's how David felt when Nathan confronted him. When he told him, you're that man that killed that took the lamb. You're the man that did all that. I would like to I would like to conclude with this verse from Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17. It says iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. This tells you how we are called to sharpen one another. To whenever we're rough around the edges. So it's really tough because the person can either the second person can either take your advice or just couldn't care less. I would like to challenge everybody here today. If you see somebody on a daily or weekly basis, uh, tell them to keep you accountable. Even better, because accountability is a two-way street. Keep uh, have them, you keep them accountable as well. I honestly feel like I would like to be kept accountable at all, and the same way I'll keep all of you accountable. Also, the church, I think, should keep the youth accountable. And again, vice versa, it will keep you accountable. But yeah, it's, it's a really good connection to me. Whenever, whenever you have that certain someone that you can keep accountable, they keep you accountable. It makes you, makes you grow closer. It makes you 
have that connection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us be here today. Thank you for just uh, helping us to speak your word. Uh, like I said before, not everything's just about you. Everything is you. You're, you, you're the glory. Um, you give us grace when we don't really deserve it. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.